It's the Listen Up Milwaukee podcast. And welcome to the podcast. I am your host, Steve Italiano of this, the Listen Up Milwaukee podcast. Uh, I want to thank you for uh, downloading, listening, whatever, tuning in. And today we have uh, with us, um, again, full disclosure, a, a cousin <laughs> um, who is the head of, uh, and, and again, I'm going to probably get this wrong, Katie, so I apologize. But what I'd like to do is introduce Katie Cummings. Um, who is the director of the Pink Umbrella Theater. Welcome, Katie. Uh, hi, Steve. Thanks for having me. So, um, I'm, I'm, as you can tell, I'm not quite as prepared as I always like to be. I always think, well, I'm going to be prepared, I'm going to be prepared, and then I forget to do something. And uh, But anyway, so Katie, why don't you, uh, um, you are the director of Pink Umbrella Theater. Why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself first? Sure. Sure. So, uh, so yeah, so I, um, I grew up in theater actually. Uh, I remember my earliest memories, uh, of seeing theater. I was, I was five years old and I went, my mom took me to see Can Can at, uh, St. Joseph high school in Kenosha, Wisconsin, where I grew up. And I remember sitting in the balcony and just being mesmerized by what I had seen mostly the dancing girls and uh and I left the theater <laughs> with my mother who said and I said to her I want to grow up and do that and she said you will never be a can can girl <laughs> and I didn't understand until years later why my mother would not want me to grow up to be a can can girl um but she did always support my love of theater and so when we were little my little brother and I used to put on plays in our basement and uh, in the driveway, uh, when I did get to a place where I could decide where I wanted to go to, to high school, I, of course, picked St. Joe's uh, because they had the best theater in town. And uh, and there, I remember very distinctly during a, a rehearsal for um, Hello, Dolly, the director at the time had said, you know, I want everybody to exit stage right. And he said, um, Mr. Seidel, don't you think that we should exit stage left? Because that's where the house is. And he, I remember him stopping the rehearsal in front of 50 of my peers. And he told me this, you will be a good director someday, but today is not the day. <laughs> uh <laughs> and and I have since used that line uh, on some of my students as well. But I uh, I went to school at Cardinal Stritch, uh, where I had um, the best mentor and friend um, in David Oswald, who was the director of the department there. And he he saw the potential um, in me to uh, he he could see that I could take a, a script and see it in my brain. And so he really helped me hone that craft. And uh, the theater department at Stritch is very small, uh, or was at the time. And so we were really able to kind of craft the lessons um, specifically to my skill set, which is brilliant. Uh, and I know I'm forever grateful for that. And David, if he's listening, is still um, a dear mentor and friend to me 20, 20 plus years later. Um, but there I, I had decided I was like, I'm going to be a business manager, right? Like I'm going to, I'm going to work in theater, but I'm not going to direct, I'm not going to be on that artistic side. I'm going to, I'm going to run the the numbers and those kinds of things. So I graduated with both a theater degree and a business degree, um, from Cardinal Stretch. And it was 
it was probably one of the best decisions that I made because that business degree has put food on my plate for forever. Um, I've been able to, you know, always find a job, whether it be in the theater or not. Um, and then in 99, I think it was, uh, the high school directors, the high school, St. Joe's, called to see if I was free um, and would be interested in directing the musical. So I went back to my alma mater <laughs> and my high school director was absolutely right. I was a good director, um, just not that particular day. <laughs> so for 10 years, uh, 10 years, uh, myself, along with actually my little brother, I directed and he choreographed. We did the shows at St. Joseph High School in Kenosha. Uh, and I've just always kind of loved working with students Um some of the best moments in my life have happened, you know, when a student like figured out the note or figured out the the crux of the character, figured out the dance step. Um, and at St. Joe's, really, uh, you know, we held auditions, but if 60 students auditioned, 60 students were in the show. And it was my job um, to figure out how to feature every single one of those students. And so we really started to craft the way that I teach and the way that I direct is to make sure that we're playing to everybody's strengths. Um, so from St. Joe's, <laughs> being the director at St. Joe's. Now, was that was I, that a full-time uh, gig or was that just? No, I mean, you, you we were would, there would, just in, you know, go ahead. Right, so you would just come in during, uh, uh, to, to do just the play. You were not a faculty member or you were. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Correct. We were there from like January to March. The shows were typically up in March. So I had a wide variety of jobs. Like I was a bank teller for a while and I was a bartender. Um, yeah. I mean, doing what I refer to as muggle muggle jobs from Harry <laughs> Potter land um, <laughs> for a long time to support my theater habit. Um, so about, well, in 2010, yeah, it was 2010. Uh I, I was up here living um, with my husband and up in Milwaukee, and uh, First Stage had uh, had an opening for a director of a musical there, and so I applied for that. And, and while I was directing at First Stage for their um, high school group, they call Young Company, uh, I the position of academy director came open, and so I threw my hat in the ring, um, which was really really great. I got the job. Uh, so in 2011, I be became the Academy Director for First Stage Children's Theater in Milwaukee, uh, where they serve uh, over 2,500 students every year, uh, ages K-4 through 18. And in 2012, uh, we created a program called Next Steps, which is a program specifically at that point in time, we had eight high school students on the autism spectrum, and we had eight teachers in the classroom with them. When I left in 2018, uh, we went from that first two-week session in 2012 to holding classes all year long. Um, we had over 30 to 40 students, depending upon the year in that program. We very quickly took individuals who, uh, you know, identified with a wide variety of, of diagnoses. Um, and, and, and those, I will tell you that those first two weeks really changed kind of uh, the course of my teaching career. Mm -hmm. And then in April of 2018, uh, I attended a festival in New York called the Big Umbrella Festival, which really changed the, completely changed my path, um, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a little bit. But that's just kind of like where and how I came to be 
in theater and the founder of, of Pink Umbrella. So from can-can girl to theater director. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Quite the path. That's, exactly. That, that, that is a musical to by itself, is it not? Uh, <laughs> it probably is. <laughs> um, so uh, 2018, was, was that when you, uh, uh, when did you found Pink Umbrella Theater? Was that 2018? Sure, in September. Yeah, in September of 2018, we did. So the um, the conference that I attended out in New York, I had actually applied, you know, on behalf of uh, First Stage. They were taking, this is this was held at the Lincoln Center. It was the very first festival of its kind uh, in the world, they think. So what they did uh, at the Lincoln Center is they pulled in 20 professionals, um, 20 artists, and then 20 administrators. And I applied for the administrative track. We went out to New York for four days in April, um, right about this time, actually, two years ago, I was in New York, uh, and they, uh, they, they had uh, workshops for us uh, for those four days, but they also had performances um, in this genre called sensory immersive theater from uh, Oily Cart in London, uh, Sensorium in Australia, and Trusty Sidekick in New York. And we saw these performances uh, that really integrate sensory play um, in with this really this beautiful professionally written and and directed and executed show, uh, and it was transforming. I mean, I I know that theater transforms you as a human being, whether you do it or you're on the audience side of it. Um, but one of my one of my cohorts and my colleague, one of my cohorts that weekend, she she looked at me and she said, "You are living your best life right now." And I'm like, "This is." This is absolutely amazing, and this is how theater should be, certainly for people who identify with a disability, whether it be complex or, um, you know, whether they're moderately impacted by their diagnosis. This is the way theater should look um, and feel. And so I came back to my job, and I said, we should do this. And, um, and not only should we do this for kids, but we should do this for adults, too, well, first stage is a, it's a children's theater, right? Mm-hmm. And they they have a mission and they <laughs> stick to that mission, and that's what makes them successful. Um, and I remember being in a meeting one day, and I was just like, I had a very visceral response to to a not yet. It was kind of what I was given, and and I came home and I looked at the husband and I said, I I can't not do this, and and I don't think I'm going to ever be able to do it if I stay. And he said, Okay. <laughs> when are you going to quit? And he said, tomorrow. And he's like, okay, let's figure this out, you know? And if it fails, you go back to work somewhere else and that's all right, you know? Um, But it's not failing. So we, you know, we started the company in September of 2018 and launched classes in January of 2019. And in the winter of 2020, I had 34 students register, ranging in age from eight to 54 um, obviously all in age appropriate classes and then have an eight, eight year old in with a 54 year old, but, um, you know, we have four nights of classes and, and 34 students, five nights of classes and 34 students in those classes. So there's a need and there's a desire, you know, in this community, um, for people who identify with a disability to be actors and artists. And my hope is that pink, you know, provides a, a landscape for them to, to learn and create together. 
So pink umbrella. Uh, so so the, the, you, you obviously there's a need there, and first stage was doing part of that because like I said the, uh, mm-hmm. age limit's pretty much senior in high school. Is that correct? Yeah, eighteen, yeah. seventeen, once, eighteen yeah, years once old. Once they graduate, mm-hmm. once they graduate, right. their the program is pretty much over for them. What they can do for right. them. So okay, so um, the and I apologize. Uh, you, the name of the event in New York was. It was called the the Big Umbrella. The Big festival. Umbrella. The Big Umbrella pe- mm-hmm. Festival. Okay, uh, so when you have the yeah. Big Umbrella Festival, um, that that was that's what lit the spark to kind of jump off, right? For you, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like I had never seen theater like this before. So they call it a small batch theater, and what happens is. Uh, the participants, um, if there's eight participants in the room, there's eight guardians. So the audience size is only a total of 16. Okay. And the participants um, engage, or the actors engage with the participants every four to five minutes. Um, the The actors will do a scene, and then they will come into the audience, and they will work on something that the audience needs to do in order to move the story forward. So... One of the plays that I saw, a really like clear example of this is that one of the plays that I saw is Turtle needed to get to the bottom of the sea to see his to help his friend Crab. And Turtle, um, as as he was going under the sea, he he realized that he needed, you know, bubbles, right? So he um he began he began blowing bubbles on stage. And then the actors came out into the audience with bubbles for everybody to blow so you know so now we're engaged in this very fun sensory activity and we're all traveling with turtle under the sea and some of us are able to get up and and go swimming in the bubbles and uh or catch the bubbles right or blow the bubbles so it becomes this very like uh community based um moment that we've all now shared together. And uh, and then the next scene happens and then we do another thing and the next scene happens. And we, you know, I mean, it just is, <laughs> it's just beautiful. Okay. Uh, and I sat there thinking we need, we need something like this in Milwaukee, right? I know students who could really benefit from this kind of um, theater, theatrical experience where they can get up and out of their seat and nobody's going to, nobody's going to correct them. They can yell with delight or giggle loudly mm-hmm. and that's encouraged right so being being in an audience where you are able to be you uh i can't i, I just i can't imagine anything better now um because this is going to come kind of full circle here when we talk about um pink umbrella and how you operate that um so the actors on stage are they do they also fall under that the uh, the uh, 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 category of of either uh, sensor, sensory sensitive or have some type of um and it's this is the wrong word I apologize handicap <laughs> that so are the actors and the sure. audience um sure um so the so I yeah I totally understand what you're asking um and and the preferred language is like either uh, actor with a disability or uh or disability. I'm sorry. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, it's okay. Like, 
Yeah. Yeah. And some people have sensory sensitivities. It's a lot of language, right? <laughs> um, it totally is. Uh, we most, I would say that most of the actors on stage that I saw are individuals who do not identify with a disability. Okay. Although there were some actors on stage who do. Uh, the company from London, they've been doing this for 25 years. Uh, Oily Cart is the name of that company. And if you can look them up because they've got some really beautiful um videos showing like what they do and how they do it uh but i i sat in the audience that day and i thought oh, that's really interesting that character has autism and then i realized very quickly it wasn't the character that had autism the actor had autism okay. and then therefore the character had autism right okay so they there's a lot of um a lot of talk in the industry too of making sure that we are representing right so no story about us without us um is kind of a rallying cry in uh theaters for adults and and children with uh with disabilities you know don't don't write a story um about a person who uses a chair or a person who is blind or deaf or a person who has autism without that person in the room to uh to either a write it or b consult you know, okay. with you, mm -hmm. um, you know, so making sure that the stories that are being told are, are not stereotypical and that they are honor the whole human experience um, of individuals who identify with a disability. So Oily Cart um, obviously uh, brings in people who have sensory sensitivities, which, which are uh, quite a few people on the autism spectrum do experience that, although not all, um, to to help guide maybe some choices about how loud something is or how bright something is or how something feels or smells um, in on their design process, which is really brilliant. And then they obviously have actors who, who, have, uh, who do identify with a disability too. Okay. Um, so you formed Pink Umbrella Theater after coming back and, and running into the well, let's face the corporate brick wall. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. Um, a little bit. And uh, you formed Pink Umbrella. Um, I know it took you a while to... Uh, now, Pink Umbrella is a nonprofit organization, correct? Absolutely, yeah. We um, we started out as an LLC just so that we can kind of get everything up and running, you know, as quickly as possible. We are now fully nonprofit, um, vetted by the state and the feds, Um uh, as of August uh, and of 2019, but they retroactive that back to September of 2018. So we're good to go. Okay, so you're you're a nonprofit, and and again, the the, the limited experience I've had with your organization, um, again, because full disclosure, I've done a little bit of work for you and with you, and yeah. and uh, yeah. um, I'm very happy I can do that. Um, you, you've taken that model, um, of theater for people with disabilities and sensory issues, but your, your program is more tailored to putting those people in the productions. Is that correct? And, and teaching mm -hmm. them skills, uh, theater skills and. Yeah, absolutely. So our, um. Eventually, like when we are up and running at our 
full capacity. Um, we will have classes for individuals who identify with a disability in acting and musical theater and voice, um, movement, dance, you name it, right? Like we will cover the gamut of very traditional and some non-traditional um, theater classes. The second, uh, the second phase, which um, which we're working on, uh, I was hoping to have a show here in 2020, although with the current <laughs> state of affairs that we are in, uh, all of those um, plans have been put on pause. But uh, the next part of our uh, rollout will be to have professional theater shows uh, featuring actors or hiring actors and designers who identify with a disability. So what that means is that from the box office to backstage, we will have individuals and hire individuals who identify with a disability, pay them for their time and energy and artistry uh, and be a fully professional theater. And then the third phase that we will roll out will be um, uh, to to hire uh, those individuals that I mentioned before in theater companies who are already producing the uh, sensory friendly uh, or I'm sorry, the sensory immersive shows, uh, we're going to hire them to come in. So we'll be more like a produce, a producing house okay. uh, so that they can come in and train our actors, right? Um, but also do the shows that they've already beautifully crafted and created for audience members who... Um, you know, who have, who have a uh, disability, mm-hmm. uh, whether that be complex or moderate. Okay. So right now it sounds like we're still in phase two <laughs> and part of that, I mean, again, when this is being recorded, if you didn't look at the date, uh, we are in the middle of, uh, the coronavirus, COVID-19, whatever you want to call it, um, uh, shelter in place orders across the United States. So, um, that has kind of put a damper on your in-person classes, but, uh, and we'll come into that cause I'm sure there's a lot of challenges involved there. So currently, um, under normal operation, let's say, uh, what you, you started your, your winter, uh, your winter classes in January. Yep. Yeah. So our classes run for 10 weeks at a time. Uh, we give that longer time frame. um, most most sessions uh, in a in a typically developing um, classroom would be six to eight classes. We uh, we offer ten week classes, and then our classes are about an hour and a half or an hour and fifteen minutes, depending upon the age group, just so that we've got some time to get into the room, get adjusted, get focused, get ready, and then we and then we learn, and then we also provide quite a bit of time to say goodbye to. Okay. You know, to reflect on our work and then uh, and then head out for a week. Uh, so we our our fall, winter, and spring sessions are traditionally ten ten weeks long. And then the summer sessions, um, if we are back in uh, in person, our goal is to produce two two short little musicals in three weeks' time with with the students uh, ages eight to thirteen and then thirteen to eighteen. Um, I don't know what online is going to look like yet. I mean, I'm kind of put all those things on pause too, just to wait and see where we, sure, <laughs> where sure. we wind up here yeah, it's, it's in a, the next few weeks. Yeah. Difficult to, to plan anything. Um, you know, and, and, uh, you know, we've got a few family weddings coming up, uh, that were supposed to be this summer, June, July, August, and September. And, yeah. uh, it's kind of like you get the invitation and it's, uh, 
you know, with a little, now it has a little card that says pending government regulation. You know? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. You know, it's such a weird, yeah. But it's it's where we all are. Like, we want to do it. We're hoping to do it. Um, but you know, we want to also be safe and keep certainly keep our constituents safe. I do have several students who uh, have, you know, have some compromised immune systems already, and in everyday normal circumstances, right? Like, this is this is an abnormal circumstance for all of us that that we're trying to navigate. Right. Now, I, I have been to some of your classes um, as, yeah. as an observer and as uh, with some of my uh, other hobbies as photographer and videographer to help you guys out. And your classes, you, you, you break them down strictly by age, correct? Uh, we do. Your, your so, age our classes... gr- so your class groups, I should say, are, are yeah, based on age. Yeah, yeah. They totally are. Uh, so they are uh, eight to eight to thirteen, uh, thirteen to eighteen, and then um, and then eighteen and above. Now, uh, with that though, we do have some older students in our younger class, and some younger students in our older class. Uh, you know, it all depends upon too. Um, where people are at. You know, some of our students do uh, get along. Uh, better in a classroom that that is geared towards younger students while others get along better you know in a class that's geared towards older students so it really is dependent upon dependent upon the student in the room at the time okay so is it pretty much based um like i said then on their on their cognitive level sometimes sometimes it is sometimes it's just uh maturity right uh okay. you know where they uh where they fall um and we started doing that, you know, that's just something that we honed over the years uh, at first stage too. You know, it, uh, we're all individuals and, and sometimes our interests, even at, you know, maybe 15 or 20 are still in, you know, we still love Legos. And if we're offering a class, you know, that's based, that, that that's the theme, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, but it's built for an 8 to 13 year old. Like the 15 year old who loves Legos is still allowed to come come hang okay. out, you know. What, um, what about so the 54 year old? Yeah, you're more than welcome. Come on, <laughs> come on down. Come on down. Okay, I will. Uh, I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Um, so um, we've kind of got you. Kind of give me a uh, your, your outline of how Pink Umbrellas. You, you've got a business plan. Uh, shocking, right? From, mm-hmm. from a business major. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you've got your yeah. business plan in place. Um. And I guess the one question I want to ask is, I mean, obviously you feel there's a need for this, but why does Pink Umbrella need to exist? What, 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 what was missing or what, what is missing, do you think, um, that you need to bring to the world or or as far as theater, yeah. Poorly yeah, worded, poorly so, worded, but you know what I mean because you know me well enough. So. <laughs> I do know you, um, and I know what you're trying to ask me. So, I, you know, when I when I was at first stage, um, we had students age out of the program, and we found creative ways to keep them within our walls. Right, we, as we discussed earlier, you mm-hmm. know, it's 
uh, if you're a senior in high school, thank you. You know, we have enjoyed your time here, but but there are other places for you to be. Um, but we, you know, we found that our students, you know, obviously their diagnosis doesn't go away just when they turn 18, right? Yeah, so miraculously don't uh, become adults. <laughs> Exactly. Right. And, um, and so we, we did, we found really creative ways to, to keep people, you know, in engaged, right. We made sure that they, they, sometimes we made them interns or mentors or teaching assistants in the classroom or, or assistant headmasters during our summer program. Um, and for the most part, it worked really well, right. We had really great success with that. Uh, the more and more students though, that grew up, wanted a place to be, right? And and there's only so many spots to fill. Um so so that's a thing, right? Like I I could see the need for it firsthand because I'm I'm in the middle of those conversations with with family members, in the middle of those conversations with participants, right? Um how can I stay? What can I do? Can I can I come teach this class? Can I help with this class? And uh you know, and then um to top it off, uh you know, they, they, they wanted to do things that, that they were interested in. So there's a, uh, one of our teaching assistants, you know, he had just turned 21 and, uh, he's in the middle of an improv room an improv group, and they're playing a game where, um, you know, the, the, uh, the students get into a car and they have to like introduce some, something new, like we're going to the mall today, or I'm so excited to go golfing today. And then everybody else is like, yeah, yeah, I can't wait to go golfing. Right. Um, and the whole, the whole premise is yes. And well, you know, um, our friend who's the teaching, uh, apprentice in the, in the classroom on the spectrum, he had just turned 21. And so he gets in the car and he's like, take me to the bar. <laughs> well, he's in a, <laughs> He's in a class of 16-year-olds, right? Right. And, and he has never been told prior to this, this conversation, this date, where he tells the 16-year-old to drive him to the bar, um, that that's not socially appropriate, right? Right. Uh, you know, so, so while the teacher inside is like hysterically laughing because – brilliant and it makes total and complete sense for the the ta to want to go to the bar right because he had just turned 21 um it's not appropriate for the 16 year old to drive him right and this is of course is all hypothetical in a classroom nobody's behind the wheel of a car um but it's those kinds of moments that we're like he should be able to to take an improv class with other adults and be able to get into that proverbial car, right? right? The pretend car and say, take me to the bar. Right. Um, and so those moments were kind of glaring moments for me too, as a, as the director of the Academy. And when I was out in New York, uh, you know, one of my cohorts said, we, um, yeah, we have a theater company for, for adults with disabilities. I said, I'm sorry, what, explain that to me. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> uh, you know, because I had worked in children's theater for so long with high school kids and then obviously at first stage with younger kids. And uh, I'm like, wait a minute, what are you talking about? And they're like, yeah, we totally have a theater company. Um, and I've since been to the theater company. It's called Detour Theater. It's down in down in Scottsdale. Uh, they have 65 adults uh, with cognitive disabilities in their troupe. And they do major musicals every year at the at their version of the Scottsdale PAC, right? Okay. So they see 900 people. Um, in 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 the theater and they fully produce we just went in uh january we saw rent and um rent and newsies 
And it was brilliant, right? About 40 actors, 35 to 40 actors in each performance. They double cast it because they've got so many people. Uh, and it's completely 100% fully produced. And it's delightful. Like, <laughs> it is joyful and heart-wrenching and awesome. And all of the feels that you feel when you're in 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 those seats as an audience member for theater. So, you know, knowing that there was a model out there, and I've since learned there's several models for adult, um, for theaters for adults with disabilities across the nation, that that desire to create something here in Milwaukee just grew and grew and grew. And, you know, in our largest population in our classes are adults. Um, they, they were they came right as soon as our right. doors opened they were there ready to go uh and and the students you know the younger students followed so um you know we're t- we're too big of a city to not have something like this or have a creative outlet for for individuals with disabilities huh. not everybody wants to go bowling right or the special olympics <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah that's true there yes. are other they they have other needs and desires and um and now they have a place to to create you know and to be i mean i i had a student she told me uh right away i want to be an actor on tv can you help me and she has down syndrome and i said yeah we can help you i mean i don't know how to get you like you've got to move to la or chicago to get those kinds of jobs but i can i can teach you how to act for sure we can do that you know, um, but her desire at 22 uh, to be a famous TV actor is no different than a typically developing child. Right. She's very desire. determined. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if I know who you're talking she's, about. I, yeah, you know who I'm talking about. She, she's, she's very she's determined. She's got laser focus. Uh, yeah, that. absolutely. And there's no reason why she shouldn't. And there's no reason why she can't. So, you know, um, so I just feel like it's our job to to listen and respond and, and nurture you know, nurture what we can. Now, this is obviously, um, I want to call it a labor of love, I guess, to, I guess, categorize it. If you got to stick it in a box, that's what I'm going to call it. Because it obviously touches you more than just, this is my job, um, to do something like this. Um, so you have the challenges of a starting a business, first of all, which is daunting enough. Um, what other challenges, what, what other, what are the, what have been some of the biggest challenges you've had to face, um, in, in after forming, after, after making that jump? Cause obviously making the jump from secure income to, hmm. <laughs> now what? No income. Uh, to no income. Um, uh, you know, being a nonprofit, but I mean, I, but uh, what what was what what are, what were some of the challenges you faced um, just in informing Pink Umbrella? Uh, that's a great question. I think that like, the first thing that comes to mind is uh, finding a space. Right. Uh, You know, there are buildings and classrooms and locations all over the city uh, and surrounding area. Right. That you would think would be accessible and readily available. Mm -hmm. That is not not the case. Uh, I had several people right at the beginning. They were like, oh, (laughs) including a place where. Well, yeah, I just had several people say to me, um, oh, my goodness, I would love to have you here. Uh, And I'm like, do you have. 
Do you have a lift? No. Uh, do you have an elevator? No. So, you know, so if I'm opening a theater company for individuals who identify with a physical, intellectual, or emotional disability, right, uh, I I have to have those things, right? The, the The rooms have to be accessible. I can't say only the people who can walk can be in my classroom, right? Who don't have a walker, who don't have a wheelchair, who don't have, you know, wheels, right? Um, or crutches or canes or, or any, any other kind of like mobile device that they are using, mobility device that they are using to get around. Um, you know, so it's, so finding a space for us to have classes has, has been hard. Um, and the places that are accessible are busy, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, finding um, finding a space that has time for us to be there, too, is is interesting. So during the winter, uh, we were in four different locations. We were at the JCC, uh, the Jewish Community Center. We were at Plymouth Church. We were at Luther Manor. And then we were back at uh, in Crossroads um, uh, up in Mequon, Crossroads Church up in Mequon. You know, so we're kind of like roaming right now. And that's probably been the biggest challenge um, to keep those relationships going, which quite honestly, all every single person who has opened up their doors to us, that that is an accessible space for us. Um, and even those who, who weren't accessible, they just didn't know any better. And that's okay, right? Um, sure. The, uh, you know, just everybody's been very welcoming from that perspective. Um, we are looking for a space to call home. Um, and not that we have to buy a building or anything like that, but, but a, but a space, right? A room that's big enough for us to, to move about in a room that, um, a room that is accessible. And that includes not only, you know, the wheels in and out, but it also includes sound and sight and smell. Um, we have to think about those things, you know, for our for our actors and a place where we can put a file cabinet and a, you know, or a box. Right. Uh, during the winter session, I had four different boxes in my in my trunk uh, and I knew and they were they were uh, labeled by day of the week because that's that's the, that's the stuff that was in them for the class. For that particular that we were class. Teaching. Yeah. Um, I think the other thing, too, I run into I'm in two different um, national groups. One is the Theater for Young Audiences, and then the other is one that we formed together. Um, In my research, I found four theater companies, all run by women uh, across the nation for adults with uh, disabilities. And we call ourselves the Accessibility Avengers, and we meet once a month. Um, And uh, three of us are called Katie, and the other one is called Becky. Uh, But... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they live in Chicago, New York, and Detroit, and uh, they've been doing this. They've had, their businesses have been um, between seven to ten years, right? Their their theater okay. companies are are seven to ten years old. So I'm the oldest person in the group, but I'm the youngest theater company. Um, and sometimes when they talk, Steve, I'm not going to lie, I'm like, what is that? I'm, I don't know anything about that. <laughs> what do you, you know? What do you mean? Like the theater stuff is so easy, but some of that business stuff that you know that I learned twenty plus years ago that I've put on a shelf, um, you know, they're, they're they come up with these like acronyms, and I'm like, what? What are you talking about? Oh, you don't have this? No. They're like, oh, well, Katie. <laughs> you should have this, right? Like some of it is about waivers and insurance and this, you know, so they, I'm really getting schooled by, um, by them in a really great way. Uh, 
you know, and I kind of love, love the fact that they're so gentle with me and so kind, they will completely stop and explain like, oh, you need to have this or you should have this or, you know. Um, so, uh, so I suppose that's a challenge, um, but an opportunity, uh, an opportunity to, as far as like the teaching part of it, um, it's, you know, we, we're constantly thinking about how, um, how to accommodate if we need to, at the end of the day, we teach theater. So we just teach. Right. And if we need to make an accommodation, we make that accommodation. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but our focus is really to train, you know, to train actors, right. And to teach acting. Um, so that's what we do. So that's the easy part. Um, but sometimes the business stuff and the, and the space, certainly the space, um, situation those are probably the two biggest things that i've run into since yeah since september oh and like the state those filing those forms are terrible (laughs) (laughs) it's just not nothing it's not self-explanatory no not user-friendly in any way shape or form i mean you know me in a previous life i worked in body shops and uh, hazardous waste forms and reporting forget it i Uh i just i made sure that we didn't produce it, uh, we on paper, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. We never produced enough <laughs> hazardous waste to have to worry about filing. <laughs> exactly. You know, so exactly. I, I I can appreciate that. Um, um, but no, no, really, we we didn't quite. Anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so moving on. Yeah, moving on. If there's a state auditor <laughs> out there listening, uh, ignore that. Uh, no, just kidding. Um, but. Uh, so your 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 teaching professionals that you uh, yeah. hire, um, it sounds like. Do you have to hire people who have uh, training in special education, or or um or or do you are you just hiring teaching professionals? Sure. Uh, I mean. Uh, yeah, we, um, so to start with, I hired, I have hired people who have gone through training. Okay. This, it, it, it is something that you can't, you, you don't just have an affinity for, right? Um, so our, all of our teachers have a, either a bachelor's or a master's degree, either in theater or teaching or a combination thereof. Okay. And then uh, Mary Stone, who is uh, the founder of Stepping Stones Educational Resources, she is our director of inclusion, and she does all of our training for us. So we actually have uh, our very first, our first professional development session was supposed to happen this month, uh, but we are going to put it online. Um, and so okay. we're going to make sure that our actors have uh, have tools in their in their backpack to assist in the rooms, right? When everything that they've planned for, you know, kind of goes to the wayside. Um, we have to have some extra tools in our room because we are working with students who have very unique needs. And uh, we want to make sure that our teachers are, are prepared for that. Um, the curriculum and the templates and the and our guidelines and our pedagogy has all been really laid out um, for our teaching artists so that they do have uh, they do have what they need at their fingertips. Um, you know, at any given point in time. And we're small enough yet where, uh, where I'm in the, um, I'm in the classroom and, um, I'm in the classroom and I am not, uh, you know, I'm able to assist as needed to, you know, um, 
to make sure that we're we're handling things correctly. And and uh, what what is your class? What you said typically your class size is right now. Um, I mean, the classes I've been to have been anywhere from six to eight. Um, I think typically, but you do have larger and smaller classes, right? Depending on the uh, uh, yeah, we like to kind of keep them at that. Um, at that level, uh, or at that enrollment, uh, you know, we, because, because some of our, uh, students have such individual needs, we want to make sure that if we, um, need a, a buddy in the classroom, we have that or a co-actor, uh, sometimes those, uh, they're peer to peer. Other times they are teaching assistants in the room. Um, our largest class so far has been 10 and, and quite honestly, that's probably as big as, as big as we'll go. Okay. Now we are in a much, much, much different time, um, of interaction right now, uh, hopefully for just a little bit longer, but not too much longer. Um, given the current situation of, uh, self-isolation and quarantine and, um, y- you've adapted fairly well, I think, um, and adapted very quickly, <laughs> uh, but what, what kind of challenges are you running into now? Is it, uh. With the, uh, I mean, uh, with everybody being at home, um, what changes have you had to make? Obviously, uh, the not being in person in classes, um, and doing everything almost on a one-to-one basis, correct? Because you can only, did you handle, I guess I I've seen what you're doing with the zoom meetings as most teachers are or Google rooms, um, you're pretty much going on a one-to-one basis right now, aren't you, with students? Um, I, we are. So, uh, so we we needed to cancel the uh, the last part of our winter session. Uh, we were in week seven out of ten, and so the last three classes we obviously could not um, do in person. And and what we wound up doing with that was just providing a credit for anybody who had you know um, paid in full, and and then only charged per, for the classes that students were were able to attend in person, and just kind of finished the spring session or the winter session that way. Uh, but initially, we weren't going to go online. I could not um, see a way to do that, right? When when theater itself is like a hands-on experience. Mm -hmm. Um, So A, how do you teach theater online? I don't know, right? That was my very first thought. And then my second thought was, when we do have six students in a classroom and I have six assistants in that classroom, like, how does that look online? What do we, how do we teach that way? And, um, and quite honestly, Brian, my husband was, um, he really kind of kept pushing the the conversation with me over, over that weekend. He's like, I just don't understand why I don't understand why you can't, um, you know, teach, why you can't go online. Why can't you do this? And, and, uh, and, and it was in, uh, it was in a conversation with him where I said, you know, we need one-to-one. And he looked at me, he goes, so do one-to-one. And I looked at him and I was like, you're right. We can do one to one. Like let's do <laughs> let's do one to one, and it and that's all kind of it took for me to see, you know, how it could work. And so, uh, you know, so the other really kind of great thing about this quarantine is that everybody's um, across the nation, you know, is is uh, staying safe and staying home, which means that I can hire um, 
some of the best people that I know to teach because it doesn't matter if they live in New York or Texas or Chicago. They can they can teach online. They don't have to come to a classroom physically in Milwaukee. So um, so teaching artists. So now I, my teaching artists live across the nation uh, and they are doing one to one coaching sessions with our students. And we currently have eight students signed up uh, for classes um, online. And then and the hope is that our teaching artists will gather some online tools for their backpack and then we will eventually open up um open up classes ensemble classes the other thing that was pointed out again by my husband who's a genius um because i know he's listening uh <laughs> he is a genius though he said to me and pointed out very succinctly that you know we have students who for whatever reason actors for whatever reason who are unable to attend classes in person mm -hmm. um they uh we should always have virtual classes and he's not wrong you know some of our some some people's their sensitivity is just way too high to be in a room full of other people who all smell different or who are too loud mm -hmm. um other people have you know physical limitations or transportation barriers so i think for us as a company this really has kind of opened an, another door to really create accessible theater for all um and really mean that you know that we are um we are creating accessible theater for everyone, whether you are homebound or not, um, for whatever reason. Excellent. So, um, what is the plan going forward now? Um, you're wrapping up your spring, your winter spring sessions, your 10 week session for that. Um, obviously you'd be looking toward summer session or correct would be your next. Yeah. Set of yeah, summer is, yep, summer is the next. Um, and again, like we're just, you know, we're listening and responding to, you know, what's happening in our community. I'm not sure if we'll be online or if we'll be in person. Okay. So um, the hope is to be in person, I would I, yeah. say. Um, Absolutely. Okay. And uh, I guess if people are interested... Um, first of all, obviously if, if you're interested and you're, you've got this website down, uh, website podcast downloaded, uh, there'll be a, there'll be your website will be listed in our, in our notes. Plus we okay. have a link on our landing page for you, um, uh, that people can just click on and go right to pink umbrella theater. Uh, but, uh, the website is pink umbrella theater.org. Correct. Correct. Okay. And simply by going there, they can make inquiries, uh, reach out and, uh, there's contact information on there also. Absolutely. Okay. Um, oh, well, fantastic. This is, uh, this has been lovely. Um, well, thank you. I, uh, I, and again, I, it's been a interesting experience for me. Um, I, I worked, you know, um, you got me, uh, involved a little bit with first stage theater, uh, doing mm -hmm. some things for their programs there. And, um, and I'm, I'm helping, I'm kind of doing those same kind of things for you, I guess, uh, now. And yeah. it's been very interesting for me to, to see this, um, uh, develop and to see what impact it has on people. Um, and, and it's, you know, I was, I was delighted, um, when you did your summer production last year and you invited me to attend and, um, I was kind of blown away, um, by all, 
I, I don't know how you pulled it off, to be honest. <laughs> because, uh, I mean, I, again, I there were, and I'm, if I went through and I counted, what were there, 15 to 20 um, actors yeah, on stage? Yeah, we have 15, uh, 15 young, young people. So, uh, ages 13 through 18. We did a fairy tale musical and, uh, we did it in less than 10 weeks time and they sang their solos. We, you know, we cut it way down. We made sure that it was in, um, malleable, you know, bites sure. for everybody. Uh, but yeah, we had, we had verbal, nonverbal, we had communication devices. We had, we had everything that you can possibly imagine on that stage um that very hot 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 august night well um (laughs) it was warm in there um but but they uh, they shone and they you know we 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 want to make sure that we're giving everybody the time and space that they need and that um that musical that evening definitely showed you know some of us um we will thrive if you if you give us the opportunity when we will show you what we're capable of. Um, and that was definitely, definitely magic. I thought that night. Well, it was, it was, for me, it was, uh, it was interesting because I, I guess I didn't know what to expect. Okay. So, mm-hmm. and, and as a lay person who has been thankfully, uh, I'll call myself, uh, not, not, not burdened with a, with a disability or, 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 well, I guess it depends on who you talk to. If you talk to my wife, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on the spectrum. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're, typ- you're typically developing. <laughs> yeah. Is that, is that okay? Thank you. Um, typically developing. Mm-hmm. So, and, and you see, you see people and, and with, with, with certain individuals, you can clearly see their disability, whether it's, uh, a mobility or, mm-hmm. um, how they inter- how they interact with people or don't interact with people and i and i apologize cuz i don't know the students names but for example the 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 young lady who who played the dragon mm-hmm. um was when she stepped out to the stage and and she had her costume, which was kind of, she had kind of purplish wings. Mm-hmm. Boom. She was, she was there. I mean, she was all there. That was her moment and she knew it. And mm-hmm. she was, you could see the joy and the excitement and the thrill of it on her face. And, and again, when you, when you talk about theater being transform transformative, is that the word I'm using? Mm-hmm. Um, that hit the nail on the head. I mean, that was all you needed to see to understand why you're doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And, and it yeah. was, and, and that happened a hundred times that after that evening, mm-hmm. you know, with, with each of the individuals. And, uh, we were fortunate enough to get some good pictures of those two. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm like, Oh, Greg, don't miss it. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. The uh, photo, well, yeah. I mean, some of those photos, the, the moments that you were able to capture that night are, they they really do take in that essence um in that in that photograph of what was happening right yeah. um behind the actor's eyes right like what's happening in their body and their um in their brains and their psyches right um and and I'm so grateful that we have those moments captured because they are um pure 
and honest and full of joy and pride. Um, and who doesn't deserve that? Everybody deserves that, right? right. You know? Well, that's um, and I said it. I said it that night too, and I'm and I meant it. You know, we are looking at the future actors of this company. Um, you know, the the goal is for us to be a professional theater company. Everybody gets paid for their time. And the younger we are able to train actors, give them performance opportunities, work their craft, you know, um, the stronger they're going to be as adults and the more confident, you know, I mean, even like you were saying, um, the child who played the dragon, she knew she was right there. Her confidence was brimming, right, from every part of her being. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you imagine her 10 years from now, Right. right? Imagine her 20 years from now um, after working, you know, in in classes and on performances like she will own that stage like nobody, nobody ever has. And and that is that's the drive. Right. Like that is the those are the moments that we that that we as teaching artists, as the founder of the company, hold dear because I know that we are building something with every class that we are engaged in and every actor who crosses our path we are building we are building a theater company um from scratch and it is it's hard work but it is so rewarding and i cannot wait until the dragon grows up and she's got a show of her own right you know like that's that's the goal right that's the goal beautiful well katie cummings thank you so much for taking the time out uh to talk about um the pink umbrella theater um, more than just a passion project, obviously, but, uh, um, you're doing great things. And again, you're, you're, you're in your infancy. So if people again, want to reach out to you, um, is the website the best way to reach you? Yeah. Um, either that, or they can email me directly at Katie at pink umbrella org. Okay. And again, that website is pink umbrella org. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you will have the listings and availability of classes, regardless of whether it'll be online or in person. Um, is that yep, all on the website, the class schedules yeah. and availability and pricing and that's yes, all available it's through under, the website? Uh, under classes and workshops tab. Okay. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, again, thank you, Katie, for taking the time out of, uh, what's probably a very busy and hectic schedule being, uh being, uh, running your own business, obviously taking the time out to do that, uh, during the week for me. I do appreciate that. I wish you guys all the best of luck and you know, I'm in your corner and you know, we'll be talking soon. Um, but I want to thank you for, again, for taking the time and hopefully, uh, um, this, this blossoms sooner than later <laughs> for you. Absolutely. Well, thank you for having me. All right, Katie. Thank you so much. And I want to thank everybody for listening and, uh, Again, always remember, hit the subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. Thanks again. This is Steve signing off from Listen Up Milwaukee. Thanks. This has been the Listen Up Milwaukee podcast, brought to you by Testaduro Media, LLC. You can reach us by email at listenupmke at yahoo.com or through our website, listenupmke.podbean.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at listenupmke. Remember to subscribe to the podcast and leave a positive review. Opening and closing music 
is courtesy of John C. and taken from his album Shine, available where music is sold. 